0: It's the Underpowered Hour on this week's show. What's up in the workshop? Britain's top model, the SMC Engineering Forward Control, a tip-top tech tip about power steering in your series Land Rover, and everybody's favorite segment, Famous Land Rover Owner of the Week. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at the BarrisCollection.com or check us out on Instagram, at the Barris Collection. I'm joined as always by my good friend
1: Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I am the Tropical Roof to Steven's Leaking Dual Moon Roof, the classic station wagon of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin4x4. Let's get started.
0: All right, Ike, here we go again with another fabulous uh, episode great uh, show last week if you haven't heard uh, the episode with our good friend Nick Dumbleby definitely worth popping backwards in time and grabbing that man he is uh, just a ton of fun to talk
1: to very very talented fellow and uh, some great stories from travels around the world and taking pictures of land Rovers in exotic locations with uh, interesting people super fascinating fellow and we'll definitely have him back on the show
0: Oh yeah no question I feel like we're just scratching the the proverbial surface of his body. Of work, <laughs> in the news this week. Uh, so, I, I mean, the big news this week is just like all kinds of defenders. It seems to be what everybody is talking about. Absolutely. Um of, of course, the one thirty, which we've talked about, which at any moment now should be uh, actually talked about by Land Rover. I'm not sure what their uh, release schedule. I don't know if they're waiting for an auto show or something. I think they're talking waiting about.
1: I think guy. they're waiting for chips. Yeah, the chips, yeah. They, yeah, chips. even if
0: they announced it, they couldn't build it, right?
1: Just like any uh, good Mexican restaurant, uh, there is a time. Where you're waiting for chips, and I think goes. that's <laughs> where they're at. Uh, they're waiting for <laughs> chips to build more cars. The uh, and, and in the meantime, you know, they're using their chips sparingly, making various special editions, and uh, this is no exception. I think that uh, this is probably going to be upmarket, low volume, yeah. you know, sort of yeah. production at least initially until they can, you know, really produce and scale. Which it's it's tricky for a lot of auto manufacturers right now. But well, um, and it
0: sounds like one of the new models might be a sort of super Defender, sort of a, a Range Rover class Defender, which, you know, people like Chelsea Tractors and Twisted and and folks like that have been doing, you know, with the classic Defender, making an ultra luxury version. Land Rover had previously never really done that with the classic Defender. They'd sort of stuck to, like, there were nicer, you know, sort of special editions of it, but there weren't like, you know, Insano Range Rover class ones. But now it sounds like they're going to do that, which fits with uh, your buddy, uh, Terry Bellary's, uh theory of uh, <laughs> making a much more upscale uh, Jaguar Land Rover going forward.
1: I mean, I think they have to. They're kind of they don't really have an op- option. They're kind of yeah. forced into that. Um, you know, if you can't produce more vehicles, you, you basically you got two types of businesses, um, you know, quantity or margin. And so, yeah. if you're not selling quantity, you have to make margin, and the way to do that is to move them up market even further. Just kind of unfortunate because I always really like the working vehicles, you know, yeah. that Land Rover has produced historically, but uh, it's just not viable at least in the current climate. So, what do you do? Yeah. You gotta you gotta produce these cars, and uh, when will it end? What will how how luxurious can you get? You know, the earlier Defenders. I don't think the architecture really supported a a super luxury model, but uh, you couldn't keep water out of the inside of the car. That makes it a little tough. Very difficult to keep water out of the inside of the car. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think with the new generation, you're going to see you know even more luxurious you know editions, Louis Vuitton editions, Gucci editions, you know massaging foot pedals, uh, you know heated uh, exterior. Visors. (laughs) Visors. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. I really do think that you know, it, it, you know what the what the defender has been missing is super yacht decking material used throughout the car. Not regular yacht material. I don't want uh, anything below like a I don't know like a forty five foot long uh, yacht uh, cut up. And then used as a flooring material in my defender. (laughs) I think that's the only way. When Larry Ellison is done with it, they make four defenders out of it. So narwhal skin seats. uh, They're so so supple. They're so suppy. So (laughs) supple. You know, the beluga backed headrests are really, you know, they've got that natural bump in them already. So it's really super comfortable. Yeah,
1: yeah. Those are actually really squishy. I don't know if you've ever. You've ever been around a beluga whale? Those things are poke, squishy. Poke a beluga? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, next yeah, time you, you're around one, just poke it. It's just really give it squishy. A
0: little, oh, it's super, they super love it. satisfying. So speaking of poking a beluga, what's up in the uh, workshop uh, this uh, week? like what you guys uh, working on up there in uh, in beautiful Oregon? Is it still 900 degrees outside?
1: It isn't. No, it hasn't been 900 degrees for some time. But it, it has been in the you know 70 to 80 degree Fahrenheit range, which has actually been pretty pleasant to work on. Uh, Crazy old Land Rovers Um, We've had some good ones in the shop Uh, We have the NADA station wagons That I think I might have mentioned on a previous episode We've got Mm -hmm. two of those in the shop right now And Mm -hmm. so they have some peculiarities I will say and, you have like uh, you have
0: like five percent of all remaining Nadas or something right now in your work. You,
1: have two you know there like. were originally eight hundred eleven for those people that don't know yeah. uh, Nada station wagons built in nineteen sixty seven, and uh, I think somewhere in the region of like eight hundred and thirteen still exist. An amazing number still exists because they were expensive to buy when they were yeah. new, and people were very reluctant to throw them away, but yeah. no one else was willing to buy them. Because, right, <laughs> because because at that time it was it was difficult to get parts for them, and you know it's a little bit easier now. But some things you just you got to know what you're doing to well. To get in them the six cylinder engine, the
0: Westlake head, it looks like there's an exhaust pipe grafted on to the top of the motor. It is a it is a crazy uh, car, but it is the sort of ultimate North American car and you know, smooth made.
1: to drive smooth. Thought, yeah. So smooth. The engine just runs really smooth, runs down the highway really nicely. Uh, they're cool cars, but um, they just require a little bit more care and feeding than some of the models. But uh, we've oh, got right. a couple of really good examples that we're kind of recommissioning or we're refurbishing. So those are cool. And then I have a 49 build, 80 inch headlights behind the grill military mm-hmm. truck that we're doing a mechanical sort of refurbish on. And, um, Just rebuilt the transmission, got that Mm -hmm. thing uh, back in the car, and it's running and driving again for the first time in like many, many years. Mm -hmm. So we are really excited about that thing. That thing is cool. And how uh, about
0: Jason Momoa Motorcycle number
1: 2? Has it killed you yet? It's been trying. It's been trying. Yeah, it's a 1926 uh, Harley-Davidson, and that thing is uh, even more primitive and difficult to operate than the uh, 41. The yeah. tires are made
0: out of uh, milled stone, right? It, I stone?
1: think I would describe the driving experience as standing next to uh, a pan of cooking bacon too closely. You know, it's just all these hot little bits of oil all over you. It's horrible. It's really horrible riding experience. I hate it, sounds. but also love it. Um, yes, yeah, sounds wonderful. Yeah. yeah yeah uh and then we are making progress on the wooden shooting brake 80 inch that thing is Mm -hmm. uh is coming along hopefully i can share pictures of that sometime in the near future and maybe we'll do a little episode segment on that thing it's uh definitely a really special build really cool car uh sort of a woody wagon meets a land Rover 80 inch so i'm excited to make some progress on that thing this is a super cool car. How about you? What do you got going on?
0: You know, this week we're uh, getting ready to uh, take the 80-inch, a uh, couple hundred miles away to a, uh, to a show in the next uh, month or so. So uh, it has been uh, going through thoroughly. Finally, I uh, have my brand new uh, 1951 steering box, uh, dropped into the, uh, into the car, still getting that uh, dialed in, but it is pretty crazy to see a modern Land Rover part, modern Land Rover original part sticker on a uh, steering box, uh, that is, uh, from uh, 19, the 1950s is uh, pretty cool. Very, very cool. That is, a, that cool is a
1: really cool thing. You know, it's a cool that they made those. Um, unfortunately they don't necessarily no. still need them, but, yeah. uh, it is cool that we can, we can use them in the meantime. Yeah.
0: And they're great. I mean, it's going to be great. So that's going going through some brakes. Work uh, needs to work on the uh, the rear brakes and a couple of other things. Fit in some extra gauges. Get a thermocouple wired up to the. Uh, Uh, to the thermostat so that uh, I know uh, if it is uh, overheating or about to blow up or if uh, any of the tires are going to fall off or any of that sort of business. But, yeah, getting that ready to go and then a whole bunch of – The wheel
1: sensor to determine if the wheels are about to fall off. If the
0: wheels are about to come off. Yeah, the the wheel uh, wheel disconnection
1: sensor, which is uh, is
0: a car driving next to you saying, like, hey, there's no lug nuts on that wheel.
1: Um, I had a lady pull up uh, next to me, a very lovely uh, Hispanic lady pulled up next to me and was very kind enough to say – you have no light. <laughs> <laughs> as I was driving my 1957 88-inch uh, mm-hmm. Series 1 mm-hmm. in the dusk the other evening, and I had to uh, jiggle the ignition switch to get the taillights to work. But Yep. yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how it goes. That's, uh, that's, old, that's old cars for you. We've had
0: Chris's Mini in uh, doing some work on it as well. Uh, I've got a, little bit of, uh, got a little bit of the cooling system to work through, get that working. It's braking now properly, steering properly. Uh, that car has been off the road for, ooh, a long time. I have to have Chris, but it might be 10 years or something. So that's uh, been gone through fairly thoroughly now, and with the exception of a little bit of an overheating thing that I think we've nipped now, uh, we're uh, we're good to go. So he and I will be taking uh, not nearly as old cars as you and Linus, but uh, not nearly as far, but a couple old cars pretty far away, which is always a ton of fun. And then a bunch of parts have come for the uh, Stage 1 to fix up the last little bits of things that are uh, that are wrong with that car. Of course, every oil seal that can be leaking is leaking. So a full round of, uh, re sealing everything, new drive flanges and new pinion flanges and a few of those sort of things. So we'll, uh, we'll get her all, get her all sorted. And, uh, and that car will be good as new. I've been driving stage one a lot actually. And, uh, uh, it is uh, a lot of fun. It's great. Uh, it's it's great to have a series three long wheelbase car that actually keeps up with freeway traffic. It's kind of a novel. I mean, it you know it sounds a little bit like uh, you know you're flying a B fifty two, but uh, you know it keeps up, which is which is a lot of fun. So
1: it's like it's probably about as safe as that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I, the B-52 is probably safer. Well, being shot at, uh, I think it's still safer in the B-52 uh, yeah, than simply yeah. what driving. Do they, what do they the, say
1: about those things? The 30-day lifespan for, for B-52 crews or something yeah, like exactly. that? Yeah, exactly.
0: I think that I think the average Land Rover uh, owner on the freeway is at 28 uh, days or something.
1: 28 days. <laughs> I think that's a movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, so speaking <laughs> of British uh, of the British military and, uh, and sort of the kind of vehicles that they like, uh, today's Britain's Top model is a Land Rover that probably most people haven't uh, heard a lot about. Uh, This is uh, really a niche vehicle, but uh, as you know, uh, Ike, the forward control vehicles, uh, loved by the military, the 101 uh, forward control in all of its different variants the vampire radio car, the uh, ambulance cars, the the standard uh, drop side cars, super fun and loved by the British military up until like you know, like the 90s, like they were still using 101s. It's crazy. And in fact, the impetus for this vehicle, the SMC Engineering Land Rover Forward Control, which is, uh, there's two variants, the FC82 and the FC83, are conversion vehicles. And they are forward controls, essentially forward control versions more or less of the stage one.
1: Yeah, no, these are interesting cars. And obviously these people thought that there was, you know, a, a expanded military market or additional military market for a forward control truck. And and there is, you know, obviously militaries around the world use forward control cars. And for those listeners that don't know, forward control refers to a vehicle where you sit above the front wheels. And that gives yeah. uh, a larger load space within a certain wheelbase Yeah, um, compared to a, what what the British refer to as a bonneted control vehicle bonnet where the control. you have a hood or a bonnet in front of the driver covering the engine. So, you know, this company thought, hey, there's an opportunity here. We're going to invest a ton of money and time into building a Ford control vehicle out of a vehicle that is a standard control or bonneted control type car. And they they chose the stage one. And yeah. I think in a lot of ways, I like it because it's definitely more Land Rover-esque than the 101. You know, that's what I love. It looks a lot like a
0: 2B. I mean, it it has a very 2B-esque kind of look, except it's much
1: bigger. And I love that. I love that about the 2B. You look at the 2B and you're like, oh, that's a Land Rover. It's just a weird one. You know, It's just a weird little fender thing. uh, Yeah, it's got got the same same doors and the same windshield and the same cab. And, you know, that's what's cool about this vehicle is it uses a lot of existing Land Rover componentry, and uh, that's why it's neat. Unfortunately, drivetrain-wise, it's nothing very novel, you know, it has basically the same drivetrain as the stage one, which has the same drivetrain as the 101. And so I'm guessing the military was like, you know what? This is a lot like what we already have. It's not yeah. really different enough or better enough for yeah. us to to merit a purchase or, or a big order. So I think it was sort of destined to fail. And in that way, it reminds me a lot of the Carmichael conversion yeah. that we talked about a few weeks ago that was for sale. That truck, uh, you know, another company thought, well, it's forward control would be a great idea. And then, you know, Land Rover came by and made their own and that wiped out any market that they may have had. Yeah, exactly. And that was sort of it. And these vehicles,
0: um, you know we're not uh, particularly inexpensive uh, you could have a regular stage one converted uh, for about 6 thousand pounds and remember this is in the uh, you know this is in the the late 70s early 80s uh, a completely done vehicle with uh, you know the sort of uh, drop side pickup and the whole deal would cost about thirteen thousand pounds so you know it was a, it was a significant cost over the base vehicle um, and you know a very very specific specific, uh, you know, they were sort of targeting the military, I think, is the big customer. Instead, though, the military decided they're just going to refurb all their one hundred ones, and uh, and did a program where they went through, they got the engines updated and did some, you know, some basic uh, overhaul work and just kept those suckers going probably for too long. Uh, now, I don't know what the British military uses now. Do they use the same kind of LMTVs that the, the American military does or...? an Oshkosh or something like that, you know, something from Oshkosh. You know, in
1: like this that. class for some time, they were using Pinsgowers and the oh, Australian yeah, yeah. Pinsgower production was moved mm-hmm. to England. Right. But I, I don't honestly know what they're using now, but, uh, they had, they had moved, um, the uh, Magnus Steyr, you know, mm-hmm. newest generation of the Pinsgauer, their production to the UK. And I think that that was kind of their stopgap or interim replacement for the 101. But I'm not sure what they use. They probably buy all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, all the kinds AF of different the yeah. modern British of uh, modern air quotes uh, British uh, scours are really cool. They're
0: a really nice update to the the classic uh, you know Swiss Army ones. They're, they're yeah they're water neat. cooled
1: five yeah. cylinder turbo diesel. You know yeah. they're most a lot of six wheel drive. The British or yeah. the American special forces use them, and occasionally you see them on government planet all stripped down, painted pink for desert service. Yeah, um, but some of those have definitely turned up on the second hand civilian market. Pretty interesting vehicles. They got a machine gun ring on the top, yeah. and you know it's a little more military than is what my style but uh yeah. some people love them they're cool view yeah they are neat i've always
0: wanted one of these days a classic uh classic pin scour the four-wheel uh drive version I would, I would love one of those i don't have you know, room in a, for the in cars a later, that i
1: have but. yeah in a later episode of of things that ike buys at uh, at random uh i bought a, a Pinsgauer in Baja California and we drove Mm -hmm. it back from Mexico and (laughs) so I have some experience with uh, Pinsgauers they're pretty cool vehicles very over engineered very Austrian you know yeah I love the like the the backbone
0: style chassis and everything anyways it's for another episode but um but yeah that'll have to to go in the collection at they're some small point. too 86 in yeah, yeah they're tiny yeah that's the thing most people look at them and they're like oh it's a giant forward control vehicle but like it's not significantly larger than a defender
1: it's it's actually a, smaller than the defender in wheelbase mm-hmm. yeah cool cool trucks um well you know the other thing that the FC 82s and 83s remind me of is the the llama which yeah. is is kind of a land Rover's own forward control mm-hmm. that they built you know based on defender componentry sort yeah. of immediately after this generation of vehicle, you know, Land Rover was coming out with a defender and uh, this company um, uh, decided that they were going to base theirs on the older generation stage one. Well, mm-hmm. of course that's probably not going to be very appealing to militaries around the world. So, you know, the llama was also, you know, kind of neat. It's a little yeah. less land rovery. It has like a fiberglass cab, but it, yeah. it has land rover componentry. It's also for control, but it's more based on the early defender parts. And it was, mm-hmm short-lived project, you know, basically yeah. Land Rover decided, hey, we're not going to... And they only made a few of them, right? Dunsvold has one, right? I want to say nine, something yeah. like that, yeah. but, one, um, you know, certainly not many, and uh, there's a few floating around, and one always turns up for sale periodically. It's not mm-hmm. a particularly beloved, you yeah. know, prototype or vehicle. It doesn't uh, engender warm, fuzzy feelings when people no. look at it, it. It doesn't have a lot of uh, curb appeal, but it, yeah. is, it is interesting and sad that it's kind of the last of the you know, true, uh, working vehicles that Land Rover produced. Yeah. That was yeah. like, we're going to make trucks, you know, we're going to make actual heavy duty trucks. And, uh, then they were like, nah, I guess we're not.
0: So, <laughs> as it turns out
1: maybe as it turns might. out, I think we're over that. So mm-hmm. they just, they just decided they weren't going to do it.
0: We're going to take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. So, like this week's uh, tip, top, tech tip. This was actually a request from one of our uh, from one of our Patreon supporters asking about uh, retro modding. Uh, I had a great opportunity to drive uh, a new acquaintance's uh, retro-modded LS3 uh, Defender over the weekend. And uh, it's insane to have a, a motor with that kind of horsepower uh, in a Defender. But uh, this was a very well-put-together car and uh, handled great, stopped great, turned great, did all the things that a, a regular car uh, should do. But uh, yeah, it was a little weird because you look at it you know, from 10 feet away and you'd think there'd nothing about it, but then you know, it, uh, it, it can starts. drag race some. So that kind of interesting. But this question was more specifically about uh, the steering and the braking. So, you know, as we have talked about many times in the past, you know, especially ill-adjusted, but even even appropriately adjusted uh, steering for your series Land Rover can sometimes be uh, an upper body workout that you might not be looking for uh, necessarily, especially a lot of slow speed driving, uh, making big arcing turns could be a little bit of a workout. but um, a lot of people do the sort of retro mod where they take a you know a, a newer component, a power steering component and they and they apply that to their land rover and that's something that you guys do uh, quite a bit, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. And we should mention that uh, this is the sort of personal touch that you'll get with a Patreon subscription is uh, tailored uh, radio articles to your particular questions. Exactly right. I mean.
0: We'll talk about <laughs> basically anything. I mean, you put it on there, we're going to talk about it. We have uh, no no filter, there is no QC department here, it's just a, you type it in and we talk about it. That's Yeah, no, but is.
1: This, this is something we do quite a bit of at Pangolin 4x4, and for those of you that uh, aren't familiar, you can check us out on Instagram. But uh, we do a lot of retro mod type stuff. We get a lot of customers that are like, you know, I would say generally I'm averse to doing these sorts of modifications, and mm-hmm. unless you have a, a good reason, and and some people have great reasons. You know, they're they're old, or they're yep. very weak, or they have a missing arm, or yep. you know, there's a lot of reasons to have power steering, and I would say 90% of the time. You know, driving a series Land Rover or early Defender without power steering is fine. Yep. But uh, there is ten percent of the time where it's, it's it can be really aggravating, and that ten percent of the time is things like slow speed, parallel parking, or uh, slowly <laughs> Starbuck's negotiating. Starbucks drive-through. No. <laughs> uh, slowly negotiating off-road obstacles. It can be really tiresome and uh, sometimes very difficult to, to negotiate that stuff with manual steering. And so we get, we get calls and uh, requests for power steering. And generally, you know, a traditional power steering conversion to a series Land Rover or less so to an early Defender because mm-hmm. there's a factory sort of uh, plug-in for that. But on the series cars, there really isn't a, a factory-style solution. So to do a conventional power steering system requires, you know, the installation of a hydraulic power steering box mounted to the chassis. So the chassis has to be modified with mountings and, uh, you know, the steering rods and uh, steering geometry has to change for that. Different steering drop arm or pitman arm, some people call it. And then Mm -hmm. the steering column that connects the steering wheel to the box also has to be changed or custom made. And so there's various weldings and modifications and clearances that need to be made for those components. So it's pretty involved, a lot of, uh, you know, machining and welding and modification. And and in addition to that, you have to have a hydraulic pump attached to your motor, right. Custom brackets for that custom hoses between the pump and the steering box. So there's, there's a lot of parts involved. So it it gets expensive uh, from a parts perspective. And then the labor is another component tree. If you're not a, a welder fabricator, you know, mechanic, it, it gets very expensive to do that sort of installation. So there's uh, other solutions that people have come up with to sort of skirt that you know conventional power steering installation, and a couple of those are uh, hydraulic ram. Mm-hmm. And a lot of early classic cars with power steering used a, a hydraulic ram. It was a kind of attached to maybe the frame in one place and then the steering rods in another, and then it had a hydraulic pump, and uh, it drove the rams, and that mm-hmm. left the original steering system in place, and you added this over the top. Some of the problems with that is the faster the engine goes, the faster it wants to pump and then mm-hmm. the steering gets kind of twitchy at higher speeds. You know, it's right. really great at low speeds. Yep. It has kind of feeling because it's not pumping out as much fluid, but then mm-hmm. at higher speeds maybe it's it's kind of twitchy and it wants to move the wheels a little too easily. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's something that like a, a very high-end rock crawler will have the uh the like full hydraulic ram steering system so you can double acting move it, hydraulic you know ram. like 45 tall tires at zero speed. You can, you can sort of, sort of move around. So that's pretty. Pretty common still in those it's
1: of cars. A, it's a yeah, definitely a similar type of system, but it's over the top of the yeah. existing system, and the idea being that you still have, uh, you know, regular steering if your engine stalls or whatever, right. hydraulic failure or whatever. So those are kind of the pros and cons to that system. And then uh, something that people are doing a little more recently is a lot of modern cars come with a hydraulic. I'm sorry, an electric yeah. assist right. to the the original steering. And so many cars, I think Corvettes and yeah. uh, some electric cars, most electric cars, right. they will come with uh, an electric uh, assist p- uh, steering unit. And some people are grafting those into the steering column mm. of a series Land Rover unit, you know, mm. st- the steering column. Yeah. And so that's become popular. I think there's even some companies offering conversions for those. Mm. And I think uh, that's probably fine in like a more or less stock Configuration, Mm -hmm. but the limitation of that system is that you are leaving the weakest links of the uh, Land Rover steering system downstream from the hydraulic assist. Right. Right. So instead of the hydraulic ram, which is upstream from those weaker components, Mm -hmm. this is downstream from those. Or uh, Yeah, the the weaker components are downstream from the assisting parts. So if you put that above the steering box, for example, the steering fork, which is relatively fragile and Mm -hmm. weak, I'm concerned that that would put enough force on that to break it. Because I can break one if I'm really turning on a steering wheel. I can break those forks. if I'm stuck in a ditch off road and I've, I've done that inadvertently a couple of times and learned my lesson. Yeah. So that would be my fear with that. I've never installed one of those systems, but uh, for a purely street-driven vehicle, it's probably great. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Well, and I think that that may be the the key element there is if the day-to-day use of the car is uh, on-road, it's a street-used vehicle, maybe it's dirt roads or something, but there's not any serious, uh, you know, difficult uh, off-highway uh, travel planned with it, then yeah, I, I think all those, uh, you know, solutions make a lot of sense. It makes the car a little more manageable banners to, uh, on, on road and things like that. But, uh, um, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I have mixed feelings about people putting air conditioning in and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think fundamentally, I feel like if that's what gets you out driving that car an awful lot, uh, then do it. If 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 without that, it's going to stay in your garage and you're not going to take it out and you're and you're you, you know you're going to be hesitant to take it to a quick trip to the mall or to drop the kids off at school in it or whatever. Then do what you need to do. Put the seatbelts in. Do the turn signals. Do the whatever it is to get you to drive the car because. I think that you know, for me, the for me the joy is struggling with all of the original parts in the car. But yeah, that's so not everybody's an, cup of tea, you know. It, it
1: isn't. It isn't. And and you know, some people they they come and they complain that their steering's awful. It's wandering everywhere. It's really heavy. You know, there's various problems. And I would say almost always those complaints can be rectified without mm-hmm. power steering. Yep. So sometimes it's easy as just under, underinflated inflated tires. You know, that mm-hmm. if you have tires that are under inflated, it's going to have a bigger contact patch with the ground and be harder to turn. And sometimes just pumping up the tires makes it easier. But other times, you know, there's mechanical components that are worn or out of service. They don't have mm-hmm. enough oil. You know, they have too much tension or worn bearings and, you know, all that sort of thing um, causes extra force on the steering. There is no reason that uh, the average, you know, person who is not, you know, infirm can't steer a series Land Rover. They're not particularly heavy steering vehicles. Um, so yeah, you know, before you were like, I definitely need power steering, maybe, maybe just check everything out, make sure it's in good condition and adjusted properly and set to spec.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like the the leaf, uh, you know, traditional leaves versus parabolics. The same sort of thing. Like if you're judging against a forty or fifty uh, or sixty, in some cases, old uh, set of leaf springs, uh, then uh, you know maybe consider uh, either a servicing them or or b uh, you know compare them to a you know a, a new set of, of leaves before completely changing. Uh, everything over so sort of the sort of the same thing.
1: Well, I think we were gonna do breaks too, but la- let's save that for the next episode and uh, let's move on to our famous Land Rover owner of the week.
0: Oh without question, everyone's favorite uh, segment and, and one we've taken a break from for a little while, let's be honest, it's been weeks and I think the uh, the audience demands uh, a uh, you know a famous Land Rover owner uh, of the week at least. Uh, once a month. So, like uh, what
1: carrier pigeons to that effect? Oh,
0: yeah, it's uh, three of them were shot down in uh, transit, but one did make it. <laughs> one made so it. We heard uh, loud and clear. So, Ike, what did the uh, what did the Rube Goldberg machine of Land Rover owner uh, owners uh, spit out uh, for us this
1: week? It's a Heath Robinson. Oh, the Heath Robinson. Yes, Heath Robinson. <laughs> the Heath Robinson machine. <laughs> Uh, we got Jamie Oliver this week, who is, uh, you know, the the culinary genius slash Land Rover enthusiast. And uh, this is this is someone that I have heard a little bit about and mm-hmm. I've seen um, some press on this fellow. He does a lot of, uh, you know, cooking in schools and, uh, you know, uh, trying to encourage, you know, average yeah. folks and and so forth to cook. Yeah, to cook
0: and I think to eat healthy too. Like he's got a, he's a, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Seems like a, seems like a great uh, British gentleman. He owns, uh, it, well, he owns at least one series Land Rover. Uh, he has a series 388 inch that uh, he recently had uh, restored. I think he still has it. And he's used in a couple of his different uh, programs. Uh, he's used a few different Land Rovers, probably the most famous of which being a very blue uh, colored Defender 90 with uh, like a white rally wheel on it uh, that was put together by, your favorite folks over at Twisted uh, Automotive. Um, there's did no it, it insane a, body. Pads. Did it
1: have a rope wrapped around the bumper and then yeah, draped yeah. over the fenders?
0: I'm I'm certain they do. I haven't seen it, but I, I'm sure they do. I'm sure. I'm sure. It has to. You can't sell a car with. You know, Gordon Ramsay uh, recently just bought one of those two hundred thousand dollar James Bond edition ones, and sure enough, you know, rope uh, rope attached like you're more about moor a the, boat.
1: The twisted moniker refers to the rope and not the The rope is
0: twisted, yes. But <laughs> I think most famous, famously, um, Jamie Oliver was gifted slash collaborated with slash I don't know what the deal is. A Discovery 5 built by uh, our good friends at Special Vehicle Operations. Uh, there are in Oxfordshire. And uh, it is a Discovery, a Land Rover Discovery mobile kitchen.
1: Yeah, this was this was uh, done uh, uh, pre-pandemic, but it is uh, definitely an interesting vehicle, interesting collaboration, and uh, I I don't know everything about it, but I know it has a few special features related to cooking. Well,
0: I I thought that uh, that you might want to go over a list of those features. Now I, I have the full list here, um, and uh, we're gonna play a, a new a segment. Uh, on uh, on the uh, the podcast here, specifically designed for this particular vehicle, where I have the list of the actual features and possibly some features that I've added myself, <laughs> and uh, we're going to play a rousing game of uh, real or not real feature. Um, okay, and uh, and so uh, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna lay them out for you. I'm gonna keep track of your score um and uh, and we'll see at the end if you are in fact uh the experts uh, that uh, that you claim to be when it comes to Jamie all over uh <laughs> land rovers <laughs> uh so the first thing is, the first thing is and it is difficult to say these with a straight face although they're equally as ridiculous if they're real or made up okay. uh a power takeoff for kitchen gadgets that is run by the engine and allows you to plug different implements into the uh, front grille of the Land Rover behind the Land Rover emblem. You can Ooh. plug in different implements and drive them off of the engine uh, of the engine.
1: This is like a, this is like a KitchenAid mixer drive thing. It's on exactly the front. that. It's exactly okay. that. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that's that's a real feature.
0: That is correct. That is a yes. real feature of this car. Yes. One point so far. Um, there is uh, inside of the engine bay. If you lift up the hood, you will find a, a convenient uh, slow cooker uh, built right into the engine. Uh, it is a great place to keep uh, food simmering for a long period of time with the diesel fuel fumes and things uh, mixing around in there. So uh, an engine bay mounted slow cooker.
1: Wow. You know, I uh, I feel like I've seen a lot of like engine cooking and maybe I've, I've possibly done some engine cooking, mm-hmm. manifold burrito warmers and these sorts oh, yeah. of things. Yeah. I mean that sounds pretty plausible. I'm going to say that one's also real.
0: That is a real. Uh, that is a real thing. That is yes. actually part of the car. Yes. All right. The next thing it. is in the glove box. Uh, there is uh, something called a potato ricer, which allows you to take a uh, like a peeled potato and put it in and and, and turn and it uh, it produces a sort of uh, riced potato, which uh, I think Jamie Oliver uh, he prefers that. Uh, over, uh, you know, a grain or so, or a rice or something like that's a healthier uh, alternative. You can do it with cauliflower. All
1: I'm going to say because it's potato based, and he's he's all about healthy cooking. That the glove box mounted potato ricer is is not a real feature of this. Pickle. That is not,
0: in fact, a real feature of the car. That yes. is not a real feature of the car. Ooh, um, it's looking good. So, it's looking good so far. So far, you're three for three, my friend. Right. Uh, this is where things get a little more difficult, though. This is going to be a little bit so uh, in the rear of the car, uh, where the uh, the rear you know the sort of D pillar windows are, uh, there is a a rear window herb garden with uh, the ability to put seven uh, different herb plants uh, in there. And because of the rear window, it creates a small greenhouse back there and allows those fresh herbs
1: to be grown uh, while you drive around. It that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I'm I. I mean, part of me thinks that that's fake, but, uh, you know, every time I see one of the new defenders with the like suitcase on the side, yeah. Yeah. I, I think like, Oh, it's like a window box. You just have some tulips in there or something like that as you drive along. <laughs> I'm going to go against my better judgment. I feel like this is not a real thing, but my answer is going to be, this is a real thing. This, this, uh, side or box. That is a real feature of the car,
0: a side-mounted Herb box. Uh, Now, the other rear window. Somebody has
1: to water that stuff. Seriously, I don't know how it gets It doesn't make any any sense at all. All the stuff growing in there, that doesn't seem like it's sustainable at all. I don't know how it's sustainable. So the
0: other rear window, um, this was, I think, a precursor to the Defender's uh, add-on feature. The other rear window opens up to reveal an actual spice rack. A real spice rack where the Defender has an externally mounted spice rack. Uh, this is an actual, actual spice rack.
1: <sighs> that's, probably, that's probably an actual feature. It's probably, it probably seems reasonable. Given that is the fact reasonable that one side, actual, That's a real feature. That's actually part of the so car. So one side is spices and the other side is growing is spices. herbs, fresh herbs.
0: It makes total herbs sense. makes
1: total so sense. So there is a 10-gallon freshwater
0: tank with the ability to produce either flat or sparkling water
1: what Mm, i'm gonna say that's not a real feature that's not that is not a real feature i wish it were i wish it were there is it makes sense if you you know when you're cooking you need water i mean the sparkling thing is really what tripped me on that one (laughs) I just didn't expect it to have sparkling water
0: the fold out load space kitchen with uh, two burners and uh, prep table that all just pulls out of the back of the discovery
1: that's that's a real feature. I bet
0: yeah, that, that is. That's easily uh, a forty-inch flat-screen television. Ooh,
1: forty inches?
0: No, that's not a real feature. That is a real feature what? of the car. It's off uh, the end. It's off the end of the uh, cook surface. There is a forty-inch flat-screen television, all right. so you can watch Jamie Oliver's cooking shows while he cooks you food well, cooks you in food. the back of his Land
1: Rover. Yeah, uh, that's a little. That's a little. I mean. It's, that's a little egotistical to be like yeah. watch me cooking food watch while cook. I watch you <laughs> cook food. Like, it's like it's like uh do you remember the show um uh I can't even remember it's like an upgrade or hot rodding show with Exhibit the rapper? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And he would he would be like yo dog I heard you liked uh, you know TV so I put a TV in your TV you know like all that kind of stuff <laughs> everything has a TV everything is like a Jesus so many yeah. TVs yeah that sounds like that you know you can you can watch me cook food while I cook your food
0: sun visor mounted tortilla press so there is above the, uh, <laughs> no, the sun visor <laughs> no
1: no that's not a real no feature. no sun Although visor I would use that
0: I would yeah. use that. A wheel-mounted butter churn. As part of the hub uh, system of each wheel, there is a butter churn attached so that you can churn
1: butter while you're on the way uh, to your uh, your destination. I feel like that is a that is an interesting way to prepare food is use the wheels to mix it. But I feel like butter churn goes against the healthy cooking thing. Um, You've also got to think of the speed the vehicle is driving. <laughs> with butter in the wheels. I butter in the wheels. I'm going to yeah. say that's not a feature. And that is a real feature Damn of it. the car. That Damn is a it. real feature of the car. Damn it. Uh, yeah.
0: A rear seat deep fryer. So below the <laughs> no, rear seats in the back, no. they
1: lift up to reveal a deep fryer. Uh, that,
0: is, that is
1: not a that real is not, feature. I mean, car. I'm, every car that has children in it or otherwise, there are some French fries in the seats. I'm pretty sure... This Uh, actually cooks french fries
0: under the seat, though. No,
1: it's perfect. That's not accurate. Center
0: console mounted two slice toaster with a behind the uh, the radio jam shelf.
1: Now, this I have to admit that I know is a feature of the vehicle. Uh, I know it, and I, I actually love this feature, yeah. uh, despite it's the insane. fact that every once you drop your cell phone in the toaster in the center of your console, <laughs> it's just, just like what it's just you know. Amazing. It doesn't seem it doesn't takes seem very inductive practical.
0: charging to a whole new level, a whole yeah. new level, and finally a front deployable rotisserie, which is driven off of the PTO and allows you to uh, cook chickens. Uh, over charcoal off the front of the vehicle
1: i'm gonna say that's that's a realistic feature
0: also a real a feature. Well, that is an exceptional score. Only only three wrong. Uh, or, I'm sorry, two wrong. The rear seat deep say, fryer. Uh, yeah, the rear seat deep fryer is uh, not wrong. Uh, the wheel-mounted butter churn is a real feature of the car. Never would have um, thought. And the 40-inch flat screen, uh, also uh, a very uh, much off-brand uh, Doesn't seem wrong. integral to cooking No at all. No, it doesn't, doesn't seem like you really need that. So, uh, you can sign up for your own SBO. <laughs> Jamie edition. Uh, I'm sure if you were interested in it, no. No one could ever have that. I'm, I'm certain it's not street legal, uh, given the butter churn wheels and everything else. I think it uh, feels like a really bad idea to drive that car uh, anywhere, ever. But if you do uh, Google it, um, you you can actually find the Jamie Oliver Land Rover Discovery Blueprint that outlines all of these different uh, features of the car with great photos and stuff. It is the most absurd. It's like Top Gear made a car, and
1: <laughs> (laughs) but it's real. One of the things that it seems it's difficult to understand about this car is like, you know, they don't necessarily help you cook one particular type of meal or, you know, like you've seen the the food trucks with like pizza ovens or it's like more specialized. But this one you can like make some toast and, and rotisserie a chicken and, I don't know, have some it's herbs on a, it. I don't know. It's a totally
0: random – it's more like Land Rover engineers are like, well, what could we do? They're like wheel-mounted butter churn. They're like, that's right, Steve. That's exactly what we need. <laughs> the Get seats, on that.
1: The seats are actually tofu. You can yeah, they're actually – the, the
0: car is – yeah, it's, it's a beautiful and have drop you, it right into the fryer.
1: Have you it's, seen uh, that Japanese game show where the people are trapped in an escape room And they have to find their way out by determining which part of the room is made of food. And it's all these people going around tasting like doorknobs and <laughs> shoes and table legs and things in an effort to get out of this escape room. Oh, uh, no, I haven't. This, but this it car fantastic. reminds me of that. It's exactly right. This yeah. is the Japanese escape room of is automotive. This, is this uh, a real feature of yeah. a car? Yeah, man, yeah, it man. is.
0: Well, like it has, uh, it has been uh, a wonderful journey through the oddities of uh, Jamie Oliver's uh, discovery and uh and a pleasure to uh to chat as always uh for those of you who have uh, not yet. Uh, checked out the Patreon. We encourage you, as always, to do that, as there's great things on there. And hey, if you like the show, why not tell a friend uh, to stay away? Because uh, that's not a nice thing to do somebody else. Or maybe see if they wanna wanna check it out.
1: If you join our Patreon, we will give you a personalized phone greeting.
0: We are going. Ike is going to call you in, in any <laughs> any hour of the day. You can't specify the time, uh, and you also can't specify the amount of time he stays on the phone with you, um, or the topic of conversation. But you will get. That. Make that. We'll, we'll make that. <laughs> like it or not.
1: Like it or not. That's good. All right. Thank you, Steven.
0: It's been a slice. We'll see you next week.
1: All right. Take care. Looking forward to it.
0: powered hour is produced by me steve barris and ike goss pavel svartov composed and performed our theme music consider supporting the show on patreon and if you already do thank you your support makes the show possible for even more check out our instagram or facebook